are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women all over the country rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community, about why do we get sick in the first place? Welcome, Mary. How are you? Hey, good. This will be an interesting conversation because, I mean... On the one hand, you could think of a hundred reasons we get sick. And on the other hand, it seems so simple. So, like, uh huh. Yeah. Well, and this question, I think this is the fundamental question that people have when they have chronic migraines. Why mm-hmm. did this happen? And they go into the doctor, they go into their neurologist, and many times they will ask the doctor, why am I sick? Why Mm -hmm. do I have chronic migraines? And the doctor will look at them with a puzzled look on his or her face. Mm -hmm. You know, I have experienced this personally when I started getting migraines and I went into my primary care doctor. She gave me that look. Just sort of a, right, a little bit of a head tilt, a little bit of a, right, a little bit of a deer in the headlights, a little bit of an annoyance, uh, of an annoyed look. Yeah, you're not really supposed to ask those questions. (laughs) Exactly. And over the years, I've had so many clients describe the same experience, going into Mm. their doctor and asking them, why am I sick? And the doctor looking at them with this little bit of, Deer in the headlights, a little bit of annoyance, (laughs) head tilt, and there's no answer. Right. You know, I was noticing a few weeks, or about two weeks ago, I went to just the eye doctor. So, you know, not even a migraine doctor, obviously, but I noticed how much she was explaining to me about the inner workings of my eyes and like down to the, the blood vessels. And it was just like so many details. And at that moment, I realized how little doctors in general communicate to their patients about their bodies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was really interesting that like, I remember saying to the eye doctor, I'm like, I have had that my entire life and no one has told me until today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm 45. Not that I need to announce my age to everyone, but yeah, like, after that many years, you would think a doctor would have mentioned something by now, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, if there's no treatment for it, they won't mm-hmm. mention it because there's nothing they can do anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that goes to like the the why question. It's almost like, here, let me just get through this appointment and give you a prescription and move on with our life. It's not, they don't, they don't have the time or whatever to sit and explain every single teeny tiny detail normally. At least I like to give them the benefit of the doubt and call it it's a time issue. <laughs> well, it is definitely a time issue. The average mm-hmm. appointment with a medical doctor is 12 minutes. That's the average length of time. Mm-hmm. And so in that period of time, in that 12 minutes, you as the patient have to talk about what you're experiencing And then the doctor has to make a decision as to what to do next, whether it be ordering additional lab work or imaging for a diagnosis 
or what medication they're going to prescribe or other treatment they're going to prescribe, and then answer any questions. Yeah, that's definitely, it's unreal to me. Unreal. So, I mean, they, they do not get paid to describe to you what is going on with your body. They do not get paid to do that. They do not get compensated for that. It's, it's amazing to me. Healthcare in the United States is 19% of the economy. Dang. Nearly a fifth of the economy is spent on our healthcare. Mm-hmm. And yet, if the doctor does not rotate people in and out of that exam room every 12 minutes, the doctor mm-hmm. is not going to make enough money to pay for the office, pay for the staff, pay their salary, be able to pay back their student loans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. As much as expensive as the healthcare in our country is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, it really makes you stop and think about, you know, what we're doing with our medical world. So when we ask, you know, I think intuitively, we, we are asking this question, because intuitively, we know that there's a reason why we have these chronic migraines. And if we mm-hmm. could just understand that, we could take productive action and mm-hmm. feel better. That's why I asked my doctor that question, because intuitively I knew that. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, patient is so disappointed and so disillusioned when they ask the question and then they're treated like, <laughs> again, I, 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 was, I was shocked. I was literally shocked when I asked this question of my medical doctor, who I really liked. You know, I, uh, I had no problem with her. I really thought that that's that she was going to give me an answer to that because that's what I thought doctors did, and I mm-hmm. was shocked when she treated me kind of ir- you know she kind of got irritated with me because mm-hmm. I was asking a question that there is no answer to in conventional medicine. Right. In conventional medicine, we get sick because we're unlucky. Mm-hmm. Now they have a fancy word for unlucky. It's called genetics or bad genes. Yes. Right? But our genes are still based on our our luck. Right? Mm-hmm. So in conventional medicine, your medical doctor does not think that you have chronic migraines for any reason. Hmm. Your medical doctor thinks you have chronic migraines because you are unlucky. Mm-hmm. You're defective. There's something wrong. You know, the crapshoot that gave you your genes turned up the wrong dice. Hmm. And so, like, just really quick, what would you say, like, percentage-wise, migraines are genetic? Like, how many, how many times do you see that that runs in families? Is it pretty much almost always or not? Oh, well, uh, it is. It very frequently runs in families. Mm -hmm. You know, diabetes very frequently runs in families. Mm -hmm. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, Mm -hmm. very frequently runs in families. Anxiety, Mm -hmm. very frequently runs in families. Mm -hmm. Depression, very frequently runs in families. So basically all of these things is like, if you have 
parents that are predisposed to that, then you're genetically throwing a crapshoot and it's very likely that you're going to come out on the raw end of it. <laughs> like, that's, that's what your medical doctor thinks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so let me, I, I wanted to take some time today and really talk about the difference between the naturopathic conception of why we get sick and the allopathic or conventional medical conception of why we get sick. Because when you want an answer to a question, you want to go to somebody who actually believes that the question can be answered. Mm, Good point. Right? And let me assure you, there is an answer to this question. Mm -hmm. So... Um, in naturopathic medicine, I'm going to go back to one of the founders or one of the first uh, doctors within naturopathic medicine. His name was Henry Linlar. And he actually practiced in Chicago in Elmhurst, Illinois, which is not far from where I live now. And he died about 100 years ago. And he was the philosophical giant of the naturopathic profession. And he was a prolific writer and he wrote extensively on this question. Why do people get sick? Mm -hmm. And I am somebody that studies the old texts. Okay. So I have gone through his writings extensively and I learn something new every time I uh, read his writings. Okay. It's, it's, you know, when, when you have uh, a gifted person that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, has recorded something for us, right. It's, it's one of those situations where the text just continues to unfold, unfold every time you read mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Dr. Linlar observed that we become sick when we violate nature's laws. Hmm. Now, he was writing this before we knew what vitamin C was. Hmm. He was writing this before we knew all of the biochemical pathways that we know now. He was Mm -hmm. writing this before we knew all of the physiology that we know know now. But he was able to observe within his patients that when they violated what he called nature's laws, that they would get sick. Mm -hmm. And he observed that when we humans violate nature's laws, there are three things that happen to us. And those three things are what I call the three principles. Mm. So when we humans violate nature's laws, we become nutrient deficient. We do not have the nutrients that we need to function properly. We have an accumulation of metabolic waste material and toxins. And we have lowered resiliency and vitality. Mm -hmm. So when I read this 
from Dr. Lindlar. This had a profound impact on me. Mm -hmm. And I started looking for what Dr. Lindlar was describing. And I realized that what he was describing was correct. Mm -hmm. These three things happen when we humans violate nature's laws. When you say it like that, it sounds really scary. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about what are nature's laws, right? Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, uh, when I read this, I was like, okay, well, what are the laws, right? If I just know what the laws mm -hmm. are, <laughs> I won't, I won't violate those things and then I'll be in the clear, right? Right, right. So I think this phrasing that he used, I think it's, again, it's one of those ways of putting something that the, that you can get really, really deep into the kind of, the more, you know, the deeper you can get into this. Mm -hmm. So first of all, to say that there are laws of nature, this in itself is a pretty profound statement. Mm -hmm. So we hear, uh, you know, uh, America culturally is connected to, to the West, to Western civilization. Um, several hundred years ago in the West, there was a change in the thought and Westerners started thinking that the universe was ordered. There was an order to the universe and that the universe was made in such a way that the universe would act predictably. Mm -hmm. That there were laws of nature. Mm -hmm. And if we humans could determine what those laws were we would benefit from that knowledge. Mm -hmm. Out of that change in belief developed science and the scientific method. Mm -hmm. Right? Science and the scientific method is a structured way of trying to identify what are the natural laws at play in the universe. Mm-hmm. And so naturopathy or naturopathic medicine, we're going back to what are the natural laws that are at play in the universe and how do they impact human health and function? Right. right so so let, me, let me ask you an example of a law that would be simple for us to understand. So... We humans, we are the type of animal that is awake during the day and sleeps at night. Mm -hmm. Right? We are not nocturnal animals by nature. Mm -hmm. Right? You don't see a raccoon walking around at 10 in the morning. If you do, they're sick. <laughs> right. right? They have rabies or something. Right? You see a raccoon walking around at night because they are nocturnal animals. Mm -hmm. Right. You have the birds chirping during the day, right? Because they are active during the day. You don't hear them chirping at two in the morning. They're asleep. Right. Right. So if something follows a, a established pattern and it's very predictable, then they're probably following the laws of their nature. 
the human animal is a very Mm -hmm. unique animal Mm -hmm. because we can choose to stay up late. Yes. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Did that sound guilty? (laughs) Yes. Right? The raccoon, that, that they are, they don't have a conscious control over when they go to sleep and when they wake up. Mm-hmm. Right? But we can see, right? Okay. The, you, you know, unless a raccoon is sick, they're not walking around at 10 in the morning, right? We know that they're nocturnal. Mm-hmm. But we humans, we can consciously subvert the natural law that runs our circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. When we do that, there are going to be consequences. Mm-hmm. Do you feel when you stay up real late that you have lowered vitality? I just feel like this whole topic is attacking me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was right? just going to say, I, I don't recommend it. It's it's uh, definitely not good for you and you do not feel good. Right? Exactly. So, Especially if you do it for a long, long time. <laughs> exactly. You do it long enough, right? I mean, I'm, this, I'm just like you, right? Because I'm a human just like you. If I repeatedly don't get enough sleep, right? If I try to circumvent the natural law around human sleep and wake cycles, if I do that long enough, well, I'm not going to feel well. <laughs> Right? I'm not going to feel well physically. I'm not going to feel well mentally or emotionally. And Netflix is not on our side, people. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> right, so this is an example of what Dr. Lindlar would have called a natural law that I think is pretty obvious to us that we can see at play with, with ourselves and the other animals that we inhabit this earth with. Right, so the human animal is very unique because we have so much conscious control over our our behavior. Mm-hmm. Right? So when we try to circumvent the natural laws around the human sleep and wake cycle, and we start to not feel so great, it is because that violation of the natural laws surrounding our sleep and wake cycle, the violation of that lowers our vitality. It depletes nutrients. We, we don't have, we start to develop nutrient deficiencies so that we don't have the nutrients that we need to function and the metabolic waste material that we ourselves generate. And then the other toxins that we are exposed to start to accumulate. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you can see, right, this is what I call the three principles. So to turn this around, we have to act within these three principles. Right. So now, um, you know, there are other natural laws, right? So what we have uh, illuminated through the scientific method since Dr. Lindlar passed away is all of the biochemistry and the physiology and sort of how all of these things work. Mm -hmm. 
and we have discovered vitamins in other nutrients. When Linlar was alive, they under they were starting to understand that the minerals in the soil were used by the body. Um, but mm-hmm. since you know, since he passed, we've discovered using the scientific method all of these all of these additional data points. So we now know what melatonin is. Mm-hmm. We know what cortisol is. Right? Two hormones that play a critical role in our sleep and wake cycle. Dr. Lindlar didn't know those specifics, but he was observant enough to see that when we went against sort of the natural rhythm of the human sleep cycle, it would have an impact on people's health in those, mm-hmm. in those three, what I call the three principles. Um, there's a natural law that I talk about a lot from Newton. Um, mm-hmm. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So this mm-hmm. is a natural law that the discipline of physics has given us. Well, it applies mm-hmm. to us as a human as well. So f- for when we try to suppress something, when we take the action of suppressing a symptom by taking a tryptin for our migraine, the body has an equal and opposite reaction by generating more of the migraine. Mm-hmm. By fighting the suppression. Mm-hmm. That's and so this weird is why medication mm-hmm. stops working over time, something that we've talked about yeah. on other podcasts. Yeah. But it's this is an example good. of a law that we think of a law, for, you know, we had to learn this in physics class in high school. It's a, it's a natural law. As Lindlar says, that when we violate nature's laws, mm-hmm. we are going to have consequences on our health. And so you can take a law from Newton and from physics class and see that it also applies to us as a human being. Right. Which we don't think of very often. That's for sure. We don't. The other thing that I think is inherent in this worldview, right? If there are natural laws within the universe, the universe is a predictable place governed by predictable rules or laws. Mm -hmm. It is not a random place. Right. There's too many things that are so predictable, especially in nature, that it would be really hard to believe it would be completely random. Well, exactly. But this seems very obvious to you and me because we are hundreds of years past the Enlightenment. You know, Mm. when you read the medical texts from the Greeks, there was one doctor, Hippocrates, that the Hippocratic Mm -hmm. Oath is named after. When you read his Mm -hmm. texts, he had the insight to realize that our health was governed by predictable laws. But other Greek doctors, other Greek medical texts, they did not have that worldview. They Mm -hmm. thought that people got sick because Zeus struck them down. 
<laughs> right. Right? So we, we humans used to live in a world. We used to conceive of the universe as not a universe that was governed by laws and therefore had a predictable outcome. We used to see the universe as a random universe that by the capricious will of the gods mm-hmm. could change. Well, and hopefully, I don't know, from what I understand, it's like you could make a god really angry, but have absolutely no reason, no idea what caused that anger. <laughs> like, that's not a fun way to live either. Exactly. In the ancient world, in the ancient mind, right? Well, you know, you're sick because Zeus doesn't care for you anymore. Um, you know, you didn't give the right offerings, to make the mm-hmm. rain, and so now we don't have any food. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, you know, people made the right offerings for the rain, and the rain still didn't come. So, you know, it's just the capricious nature of the gods. We used to live, mm-hmm. the, right? The humans used to live in a world where these capricious gods could at any moment completely upset the apple cart, mm-hmm. and there was no predictability. It was just basically potential for chaos got to keep the gods happy or you know we're going to be in big trouble here right right that's not the universe that we live in anymore we live in a universe that is predictable Mm -hmm. you throw the ball up the ball is going to come down if we did not live in a universe that was predictable you could not send send the astronauts to the moon and back Mm mm-hmm Right. This is the revolutionary change in mindset that occurred a few hundred years ago when people said, well, if the universe is predictable and governed by laws, by natural laws, then we should be able to uncover them and from that develop the scientific method. Mm -hmm. From that understanding Linlar, right? Linlar didn't say, well, you know, these patients that I have, I guess they're just really unlucky. We'll just try our best. Let me try this one time and let me try this one time. And we'll just randomly try stuff. Right. Linlar knew that the universe was governed by natural laws, that the universe was predictable. And knowing that, he looked for those patterns. That's what science is. And that's what the scientific method does is it helps us look for patterns. Right. And so Linlar was the consummate scientist. And by looking at these patterns, he identified these three things or three, what I call principles that happen when we humans violate these natural laws. And by knowing that, he then knew how to intervene. He knew what he needed to do with his patients. And then he got predictable outcomes because the universe is predictable. I had a client last week. Um, so when I work with my clients, when I make recommendations, uh, very frequently I will explain to them, okay, this is the recommendation and this is what I'm expecting to happen. 
Within a week, I'm expecting you to notice this. Within two weeks, I'm expecting you to notice this. This is always part of my thinking. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if, if this is what I think is going on here, if this is where I think the deficiency lies and we do this, if my assumption is true, if my hypothesis is true, then I predict this is going to happen. That's what science is, right? You have a hypothesis. And if my understanding of the natural universe of the natural world is correct, then this would happen. And the scientific experiment is running the experiment to see if our prediction is true. The nice thing about how it's a law or predictable is that when things are predictable, then it's like you can figure it out. Whereas if it's just random, you're we go back to the spaghetti on the wall mm -hmm. mentality of treatment, right? Exactly. So with my clients, like I, you know, I'm always in, in my mind, right? I'm always thinking, okay, well, if this is true and we do this, then this should happen within this period of time. Because then I look for that. I look for that change to happen, you know, and then I know, okay, yeah, we're on the right track here. What my assumption mm -hmm. is correct. If what I, you know, if that change doesn't happen, like I think, well, now I got to rethink where I'm coming from on this case. Right. So I share mm -hmm. that rationale with my clients many times. And so mm -hmm. when I was talking with a client last week, well, my prediction came true. Hmm. And my client said, you know, I've never had a doctor tell me this was going to happen and it actually happened. <laughs> right. And I laughed and I said, well, you know, <laughs> not every time I make a prediction does it come true. Right. Because sometimes I, mm -hmm. I'm not understanding the situation properly. Right. Mm -hmm. But because I'm approaching it from a scientific way, from a, from a scientific mindset, right. I have my hypothesis as to what's going on. I, I'm selecting a remedy or an intervention, right. According to that. And then I'm predicting what we should expect within a time period. If my mm -hmm. hypothesis is true. And then I'm looking for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, I, I think that it is so critical to medicine to live in a world where the universe is governed by laws. Mm -hmm. You describe how your approach is so different because like I was saying about those the spaghetti on the wall situation, you're not just having people come in and, oh, well, nine times out of 10, X, Y, or Z, what is it? Q10, QC10. Q10 or something. Uh-huh. Like, I'm like, what's the thing called? You know, oh, that usually works nine out of 10 times and throwing us at somebody hoping that they're one of the nine out of 10 or whatever. Like you're very going through it in a very specific way and not just tossing stuff at people. Right. So when, when I start to work with a new client, right, they have chronic migraines and they have a whole host of other symptoms. We know, I know that this human being has violated some natural laws. <laughs> I don't like and that trust word. me, I do it all the time myself. 
We're all human. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Can we come up with a softer word than violated? <laughs> How about trespass or... <laughs> So far, so the so part of the healing process is uncovering, okay, what what are those natural laws that this person has been running counter against? <laughs> is that better? Slightly, we're getting there. Right? I was thinking oopsied. <laughs> right. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> what time? Where, right. Where's What's the oopsie? Awesome? Right, exactly. <laughs> I love that. So this is right because again, if if we don't take a look at where the oopsies are, <laughs> and we then work on these three principles, the oopsie is still going to be there, okay? And so we're always going to be fighting. Right. We're always going to be trying to claw our way back to health. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is part of the healing process too understanding where are we trying to circumvent these natural laws? Where are we making an oopsie? Right. And I use this, you know, kind of obvious example around sleep timing. Right. right? Because as soon as I said it, Mary, you said, oh, here we go again. You know, she's going to talk about sleep, right? We know that we're supposed to go to bed around 10 o'clock and not two in the morning. It's like my kryptonite issue. Like I swear every time I go to the doctor or anywhere and you're like, oh, I'm really struggling with whatever, fill in the blank. And they're like, are you getting enough sleep? And you're like, oh, come on. Right. (laughs) So then the question is, right. So something like as, as banal as this, right. Everybody knows Mm -hmm. not supposed to stay up till two in the morning. Tell me something I don't know. Right. Right. The healing process, part of the healing process for someone in that situation is why are they staying up until two in the morning? Oh, I can give you a list. (laughs) No. Right? Uh, Yeah. And really, right? Well, so we say, oh, well, you know, I got, you know, my, my kids need me and my work responsibilities and I'm trying to have a personal life, right? We, we say all of these things, right? Yep. But what is it really? Mm-hmm. Right? It's going to be something on the mental and emotional side for most of us. Not all of us, mm-hmm. but for most of us, there's going to be something on the mental and emotional side that is preventing us from saying, okay, enough. I'm not going to check the work email anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to sleep. Well, I don't know. I, am I the only one that you ever talked to that's like, um, oh, my brain just wants shut off. Like I could lay there for two, three hours and it just takes forever for my brain to be quiet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Common I can't problem. be alone, right? <laughs> no, very common problem. Very common problem. So, you know, again, in this situation, so everybody's heard of the hormone melatonin, right? That's the sleep hormone. Okay. Well, do people then take supplemental melatonin trying to knock themselves out all this kind of stuff right but here we go back to this first principle uh what what linlar pointed us to at first first there was a violation of the natural sleep cycle in some way Mm -hmm. okay so you know college students right 
they procrastinate all day and then they're up all night doing their doing their homework, right? right. Writing their papers, right? Mm -hmm. That is something that can carry forward into adulthood. And I'm not saying this is, you know, your situation, Mary, but just using this as an example, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the, the individual started to consciously override the normal human wake and sleep cycle to get something done. Let's say they got an A on the paper. They were rewarded for circumventing the natural sleep and wake cycle. Right. We also get really good at, like you were um, saying, trying to circumvent the situation. Like, oh, well, I didn't get enough sleep, so I'll just quadruple dose my coffee tomorrow. <laughs> like, you know, we're playing, we're playing games all over the place for that. Yeah. 100%, right? Absolutely. We are playing games all over the place. <laughs> right? So, yeah. So yeah. then we got, we have the extra coffee on board. Well, okay. Uh, coffee, again. Their coffee is a molecule or, or caffeine, we should say, in the coffee is a molecule that acts on the body due to the natural laws of the caffeine molecule, right? And so we will face the consequences of the natural action of caffeine by, okay, shoot, I had so much coffee today. <laughs> It's midnight and I'm, you know, I'm up and at them, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> now, we, let's say, I, I, I'll we'll go forward with this caffeine example, okay? Mm -hmm. So let's say I am having an oopsie with my caffeine, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so caffeine depletes certain nutrients when it is detoxified by the liver. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to allows us to stay up late, which lowers our vitality. Right? We can see how that excess caffeine generates these three conditions that Linlar talked about. What I call the three principles. Yeah. And it's like we're digging ourselves a hole. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Right? It gets bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. Right? But the first. So, but now let's kind of look. Let's take another step back. Okay. Now, 30 years have gone by since the procrastinating college student <laughs> stayed up all night after, you know, playing video games during the day or, you know, doing whatever and got rewarded with a papers. 30 years have passed. Mm -hmm. Right. And now she has, you know, three kids, a corporate job and chronic migraines. Mm. And is up frequently until midnight working on work emails. Mm -hmm. Part of her healing process is going to be looking at what is going on on the mental and emotional side that set up this procrastination coping mechanism mm -hmm. when she was young. And why do we get into that place of like burning the candle at both ends all the time? Exactly, right? Yeah. Why why do we get into that place? For most of us, it's going to be something on the mental and emotional side. Right. There was something on the mental and emotional side when that woman was a young woman in college that drove her to procrastinate. Luckily, you know, she could pull it off and still get the A's. Then she was rewarded 
for that procrastination. Mm -hmm. And 30 years later, she can't stop checking her email past bedtime. Yeah. Right? So it's not, you know, and, and Lindlar, Dr. Lindlar, in his writing, he talks so much about the mental and emotional side of us humans and how these dynamics on the mental and emotional side drive us, compel us to subvert or violate these natural laws, have an oopsie with these natural laws. <laughs> right. Right. And this is why, again, when I work with my clients, I don't just say, all right, Mary, you know, we need to get by, get into bed by 10. Uh-huh. Can you do that for me? <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Here's a handout, Mary. Here's a little checklist handout, Mary. I want you to have room darkening shades uh-huh. and I want you to turn off your blue screens mm. by 7 p.m. Okay, Mary, can you do that for me? Well, and I'm sorry, but that list is probably really short to the real list. <laughs> like when you, when you go into, I think we've talked about that before where, you know, you go in to get a solution and they give you like this huge pamphlet and you're like, oh, great. Now I have to do a hundred things to fix the situation. And that's just overwhelming. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, again, most people know, you know, shut the curtains before you go to bed. So the room's dark, right? right. The real question is, right. What is there that's driving this person to do something that they know is not health supporting? Right. Right. That's the real question. And that's the question that has to be answered through the healing process. I was going to say, I think with moms and probably women in general, a lot of us do the Well, 10 to midnight is the only time I have that's just mine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. That's a big trap right there where obviously we need some more self-care. Obviously, we need to take better care of ourselves. But... Oftentimes, the only place we can find it is when everyone else is in bed and the world has finally shut down. And again, what is on the mental and emotional side Mm -hmm. that is preventing that woman from setting the boundaries that she needs to set with whatever obligations that she has so that she can have what she needs? Right. (laughs) The real mystery of the world. <laughs> exactly. Let's put aside the right. seven mysteries of the world. These are or the seven right. wonders of the world. This is the real question. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. So healing, right? Mm-hmm. There are things that we do within these three principles, but then we have to understand why is it that I am, as Lindlar would say, violating nature's laws. Why is it that I am doing things that are counterproductive to the natural laws that govern the human animal? Mm. Why am I doing that? So going back to the why we get sick part is we're violating uh, nature's law. We've talked about one specific one over the last little bit, but like, is that the Answer. I mean, we get sick in so many ways, right? We get sick from allergies and COVID and cancer and diabetes and obesity. There's so many different ways our bodies get sick. So I guess I just think it's interesting to go, well, it's because we violated nature's laws. Like it seems so simple 
and yet the really not yeah the the complexity mm-hmm. is understanding what those laws are for yeah. us humans yeah right and so there are other habits that we have so for example we have to move every living organism has to move little one-celled bacteria move mm-hmm. right so uh if i'm sitting at a desk for eight hours a day am i getting enough movement am i fulfilling the natural requirements that the human animal needs for movement probably not yeah right mm-hmm. yeah probably not is that going to impact my health sure of course right mm-hmm. so you know uh, we could go on and on here with things like health supporting habits uh-huh right but then there are natural laws on the mental and emotional side as well and we talked about this on the podcast that we talked about is trauma causing my migraines. Uh-huh. When we talk about natural laws governing the universe, this means that there is truth in the universe. Uh-huh. And if we believe things that are false, we are not in alignment with truth. Uh-huh. And when we experience trauma, traumatic events, many times we will pick up a false belief about ourselves, about the world, about other people. And health, right? Health is a state where we are in alignment with the natural laws of the universe. Mm -hmm. We are in alignment with truth. Right. And if we have false beliefs on the mental and emotional side or aspect of us or in the unconscious, it's a little even difficult to articulate this with words. Mm -hmm. But if we are uh, uh, under a false belief, if we are living under a false belief, we are out of alignment with health, mm. with truth, with the natural laws of the universe. Do you find that it's hard for humans to pinpoint truth because in ways like society and culture changes truth so frequently? Like we've talked about it in regards to diet culture and how, you know, it used to be no fat and then no sugar and then no this and that. like it constantly changes. And I, I think it's, I've seen similar things happening in, you know, exercise where it's like, well, you know, only aerobic is good for you. That was, that was like the eighties was really big on aerobic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was in nineties. And now it's like, oh, well you need more, you know, uh, weight resistance and avoid this and running's good for you, but no, it's not. And it, like, it's so hard right? to really pinpoint What are actual health supporting habits when the rhetoric changes so frequently? Well, this is the condition of the human animal, (laughs) right? A raccoon, I don't think they can lie to themselves. Yeah. They only eat what they're supposed to eat. Mm -hmm. This is what makes us humans so unique, Mm -hmm. right? We can be misled. (laughs) We're all confused. <laughs> yeah, we, we can be misled. We can lie to ourselves. 
we can consciously stay up until two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right? A bear, when it gets when it starts to get cold in wintertime, a bear can't choose to not hibernate. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? But we humans, we're a totally different animal. Yeah. And the biggest source of being misled many times is within our own mind within our own emotions it's true because we can pick up a lot of false beliefs about ourselves or about other people or about how the world works yeah and we we can't be in a state of health if we're not aligned to truth let's take a point The great thing about this universe, this amazing universe that we live in, the great thing about it is we get feedback when we are not in alignment. We experience symptoms. Mm -hmm. That's the beautiful thing about this design of the universe Mm. is that it may be ordered around natural laws. It may be ruled by these natural laws. But part of those laws are the feedback. The feedback is built into the system. Mm-hmm. We always say in my family, it's like you're free to choose, but you can't choose your consequences. Right? Correct. Yeah. Right. Those are gonna- and we humans have spent uh, eternity trying not to make that one true. <laughs> right? Indeed. <laughs> Trying to avoid consequences. But there are consequences built into the universe. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to our health, they're called symptoms. Mm -hmm. And this is not a judgment, Mm -hmm. right? The universe is not judging us with the symptoms. It is providing us the necessary feedback that we need so that we can get into alignment with its natural laws, with its truth. Mm Mm-hmm. The problem is we don't, you know, we don't know, we don't know that the symptoms are doing that. Right. So contrast this with when you go into your medical doctor and you ask her, why am I sick? And they look at you with that half deer in the headlights, half irritated look. (laughs) They are like the ancients. That answered that question by, you angered the gods. You're unlucky. <laughs> Who knows why you're sick? Your parents. <laughs> Today, they couch it in fancy terms like genetics yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But is it any different than the ancient Greeks thinking that Zeus took an unkind liking to someone and struck them down? Right, right. Is it any different? I mean, it certainly puts you in a powerless situation either way. Either way, mm-hmm. right? When we go into the doctor and we say, doctor, why did my medicate? why did my Imitrex stop working? Mm-hmm. And the doctor just, right, same head tilt, same mixture of deer in the headlights and irritation. <laughs> it's very obvious to me why the medication stopped working. Mm-hmm. We have Newton's law that tells us why. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. I can predict that someone's medication is going to stop working because I understand how some of these natural laws apply to our health and our symptoms and our body. Hmm. So who's scientific and who's unscientific? Right. 
Conventional medicine has told all of us how scientific it is. Evidence-based medicine. Follow the science. Mm-hmm. I ask you, when you, when you hear how I think about things and how your doctor thinks about things, who's scientific here? Right. You know, every month or two, somebody, some, you know, some troll on the internet messages me on Facebook or something like that and literally calls me a quack, literally harasses me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Who's scientific and who's unscientific? Right. Conventional medicine with all of its knowledge of biochemistry and physiology and all of the sophisticated drugs that are getting more we're because we know the we know more and more of the physiology and biochemistry of the body mm-hmm. we can develop more and more suppressive drugs to subvert and alter our biochemistry and physiology the meds are getting stronger and stronger right but they are not being used scientifically conventional medicine is not scientific in its approach at all properly done naturopathic medicine and unfortunately not every naturopathic doctor does naturopathic medicine in a scientific way i hate to say mm-hmm. but properly done naturopathic medicine is scientific because that's what the medicine is based on the scientific method mm-hmm. and the assumption that the universe is built based on natural laws that it is a rational and predictable place that is that has natural laws that has truth yeah it just made me realize that once again we have this like dichotomy of this or that like why is it that we assume that something nature related is not scientific this is a whole nother podcast, but unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. the um, conventional medical system, starting with the American Medical Association, which was founded in the mid 1800s, has been on a you know nearly 200 year long quest to undermine the validity of any other medical approaches. Right. And so they have been telling people for almost 200 years now that they are scientific when in fact they are not. Mm-hmm. But you say something long enough. And again, like we talked about, we humans, we can be led astray. Yes, <laughs> Right. So, you know, we're, we're susceptible to believing things that are told to us over and over and over again. Like our brains just accept that it is either science or nature and it can't be both. Like I'm maybe I'm getting old, but I'm just starting to realize there's so many things in the world that are both like you can both be, from nature and also be scientific at the same time. What an idea. Correct. <laughs> what a crazy idea. Right? Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Well, what do you think, Mary? Do you think we covered it for today? I think we got her, but I, I think we could delve into the same topic several more times and just barely touch the surface for sure. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Well, great, Mary. Great to talk to you again. Thanks for joining me today. Of course. We'll see you next time. Well, wonderful. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. Um, And please, if you have somebody in your life who's suffering from chronic migraines, please share this information with them. 
who could benefit from this information that we talked about today. Please share that on your social media or share it with your friends and loved ones who've been praying for this information. And if you want to stay connected with Mary and I, please join our free Facebook group. We have nearly 12,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine-free life naturally. You can go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar ND in the search box on Facebook, or you can go to healingmigrainesnaturally.com and we will redirect you there.